Welcome to the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network, the podcast 10 for 10, which brings you the week's top 10 compliance stories curated together in one podcast each week. Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, brings you the compliance professional stories you need to be aware of at the end of your busy week. Sit back and in 10 minutes, hear about the stories every compliance professional should be aware of. Every Saturday, 10 for 10 highlights the most important news, insights, and analysis for the compliance professional, all curated by the voice of compliance, Tom Fox. Get your weekly filling of compliance stories with 10 for 10. 10 for 10 is a production of the award-winning Compliance Podcast Network. Welcome to Top Compliance Stories for the week ending October 6, 2023. We begin with a story from the great Matt Levine over at Bloomberg, who reports that the SEC had a very busy week. That busy week was ending with the fiscal year of June, excuse me, September 30. And those enforcement actions included the pretaliation case against D.E. Shaw, as well as the biggest fine. Uh, another set of fines around messaging compliance, including the, F, uh, the Commodities Future Trading Commission uh, for companies who failed to meet uh, those requirements. Uh, SPAC projections for a while. Uh, this seemed to be more about projections and results, and of course the SEC has finally come down on that. And we had some FCPA enforcement actions involving Albemarle and um, Clear Channel Communications. So a big FSEC week. Next up, uh, from the Wall Street Journal, Risk and Compliance Journal, Mingi Sun reporting that the Department of Justice has offered incentives to self-reporting wrong in M&A transactions. At the SCCE National Conference, uh, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco said that companies will face more lenient treatment if they report to prosecutors potential criminal misconduct uncovered during the M&A process. Under a new policy, uh, an acquiring company that discloses potential wrongdoing at a company after being acquired within six months of the closing date and fully cooperates and then remediates uh, the problems within a year can presume there will be no enforcement action by the Department of Justice. So this continues a trend from the uh, DOJ around safe harbor and M&A. Next up from the New York Times, the uh, satellite television provider Dish is the first company to be fined over the space junk rule. With a growing number of satellites orbiting the Earth, space junk is becoming increasingly a problem. DISH paid a $150,000 fine for failing to thrust its defunct Echo 7, Echo Star 7 broadcast satellite to a higher altitude and into a designated space junk zone space. So, space compliance, it's a thing. Finally, or rather, uh, next up from the BBC, a very troubling story about the former CEO of Abercrombie & Fitch, who is alleged to have engaged in sexual misconduct regarding um, young men and uh, others. Um, 
while CEO of the company. He's alleged to have used company assets such as planes to fly uh, young men and boys to locations uh, that were owned uh, ANF locations. So um, very troubling story. Uh, the board is now tasked with a very significant investigation of these allegations. Next up from the FCPA blog, the uh, site that publishes literally first on every FCPA enforcement action, we have the Albemarle uh, FCPA uh, enforcement action that I alluded to earlier. This is a very significant enforcement action, lots to unpack in it. And indeed, we took an entire everything compliance to unpack it, which will go up this next week. So check that out. I've also blogged about it. It's a very uh, important action, the largest in 2023 to date. We also had another FCPA enforcement action also coming to us from the FCPA blog on Clear Channel Communication, which paid $26.1 million to the SEC to settle Chinese FCPA violations. The, um, from 2012 to 2017, Clear Channel bribed Chinese government officials to win contracts to sell advertising for display on public bus shelters and other outdoor displays. So two pretty good-sized uh, FCPA enforcement actions. Next up is Shin Bank. Excuse me, Shin uh, Han Bank uh, agreed to pay $25 million for compliance faults. This is a South Korean bank which agreed to pay $25 million around compliance problems. This is the first time I can recall a company being fined for failure to have an effective compliance program. The compliance arena or areas were generally in the area of money laundering, and uh, it's not clear uh, what, if any, was laundered through the bank. But it points out that regulators, at least in the regulated services industries, require a an effective compliance program going forward. And if you don't have one, uh, you will subject to a very large fine and penalty. Next up from Reuters, uh, it reports that Elon Musk must face a fraud lawsuit for disclosing his Twitter stake late. Uh, it's well known that uh, Elon Musk waited 11 days past an SEC deadline to reveal he bought 5% of the Twitter shares. Whether this was due to inadvertence, negligence, or strategic uh, decision-making by Musk, nevertheless, it violates the SEC rule and now investors are suing him around the issue of whether he did so uh, to engage in fraud and uh, defraud the other investors of Twitter. So Musk's legal issues still continue to morph and go forward. Next up from... The Financial Times, a very interesting article on estimating Chinese corruption. How much graft is there in China's bureaucracy? Quite a lot, and apparently it goes up with seniority, even though Jing, Jing, Xi Jinping's crackdown seems to have moderated things. Estimating how much money officials make from bribes is obviously tricky because it goes into an area which is generally known as gray income. But in a paper uh, published uh, in the NBER, uh, a Professor Ding from Wisconsin School of Business, Professor Wei of Columbia Business School, 
and two from Jingao University have come up with an interesting way of looking at it. The economists looked at the administrative records of the Housing Provident Fund, the state-backed house purchasing savings schemes that gave them a detailed history of the legal income of every individual in a large Chinese cities. They then compared reported earnings of officials to the income implied by their home purchases, and they found that on average, a government official's unofficial income amounts to 83% of their official income. And in terms of the prevalence of corruption, about 13% of the officials are estimated to have obtained unofficial incomes um, in their rank, and it increases as they increase in rank. So for those who have always thought that corruption is rampant in China, this report is very eye-opening, and it goes to show that the indices of corruption in China, turns out they've been right, and that Chinese corruption really is a very significant part and risk of doing business in China. It's going to be unclear what this means with the growing U.S.-China conflict going forward, but companies in China have to be aware of the high risk of doing business in China. Thanks for listening to this episode of 10 for 10. As I mentioned in prior episode, this is the one request I've received most often from podcast listeners of the Daily Compliance News to put together a summary at week's end so that every compliance professional can catch up on the news quite quickly. So I hope you will subscribe, rate, and review to this new podcast edition to the Compliance Podcast Network family, 10 for 10. If you've got an idea for a podcast, I'd love to hear from you. I start many shows based upon ideas from listeners. So give me a shout. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. 10 for 10 is a proud member of the Compliance Podcast Network.